Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Big Deeds Podcast. This week we talk about the return of Nat Fife, the Dockers demolition job against the Lions, and a lot more in between. You are listening to the Big Deeds Podcast. The story is, boys have become men. The Brayshaw, he give him the kid, he'll give you the man. Oh, he can do it all, David Mundy. Liam Henry snaps a great goal. Honestly, do not know how, but things are getting better and better for Froyo. We've managed to beat the two biggest flag contenders in the last two weeks. And better yet, we have our captain, the superstar Nat Fife, coming off a waffle game and preparing for his AFL return this week against the Hawks. For those who don't know, Justin Longmuir confirmed on 7 News that Nat Fife will be making his AFL return this week. And Sam Swakowski, who is coming back from that two-week suspension against the Pies. The Nat Fife case is really interesting because we still don't know whether he'll be playing forward or midfield. Nat Fife did say at the start of the year that the experiment of him playing forward was over and he'll be a pure midfielder again. But a lot has changed since the start of the year and Fife playing forward looks more likely than ever. Fife has pretty much said that he'll play anywhere as long as it benefits the team. Fife even said on the couch that he doesn't want to enter that midfield and disrupt the growth that Will Brody has had at the club. And despite how good Fife's marking capabilities are, our defense is rock solid without him, so he definitely doesn't need to be playing down there. So really, the only option left for him is to be filling that role in the forward line. And a problem with Fife playing down forward is that you have to take someone out of that forward line in order to put him in. Like, if you look at the team that faced Brisbane a few nights ago, who do you take out for him? You can't take Logue out because he's been exceptional down there and our defense probably doesn't even need him. You can't take Banfield out right now because he's playing some amazing footy. Lockie Schultz is probably our best small forward and Michael Frederick has been playing unbelievable footy in the past fortnight. And even then, you've still got Swikowski and Walters to come back in the side. So it's a pretty good headache in terms of selection and it's going to be very intriguing to see what Longmewood does with Nat Fife and the other small forwards I just mentioned. But this week's going to be a little bit easier in terms of selection because Michael Frederick has been suspended for drinking and he will be unavailable to play for both the AFL and Waffle for just this week. And to lighten the mood up, we have a new segment on this podcast, The Divine Duck, or better known as The Hero of the Week. This can go to any AFL player during the last week who I thought has been absolutely exceptional and deserves some recognition for his effort. No Nat Fife, no Michael Walters, no Sam Swakowski, no Matt Tabiner, and Lockie Schultz didn't hit the scoreboard. This sentence would usually strike fear into the hearts of us Freo fans, as fighting goals would seem pretty much impossible. However, 
Anto Man that has been constantly in and out of the side for the better part of this year, who would end up playing his 50th game on the night. The divine duck of the week is Bailey Banfield. They were certainly a lot more contenders throughout the week, but I just thought for a bloke that has been constantly in and out of the side, for him to boot four goals in a massive top four clash, more than earned him this week's divine duck. So Bailey Banfield, good on you. Logue and Frederick, I also heavily considered, considering Logue kicked two on the night, and he's only kicked one in his career so far before that match. And Frederick was also in consideration, but after what he did drinking after the game, I don't think that really warranted him any sort of reward. So hopefully Banfield is able to continue on his impressive form and kick another huge bag against the Hawks this week. The winners' grinners was very difficult to choose for this week. Collingwood had a very close win against the Hawks, and Sydney knocked off the D's in Melbourne. And I think a little bit of biasy is playing into this, but this week's winners' grinners are the Frio Dockers. Huge top four clash in Perth. I was there to see it live, and the atmosphere in the crowd was amazing. I wasn't planning on getting up and about in the crowd, but after watching an electric third quarter with none other than Frio memes... I was completely off my head and I was riding every bump and tackle with the crowd. And from that point on, we just completely smashed Brisbane. And Frio are the winner grinners of this week. The bottom of the barrel team is a team that I thought I would not be mentioning in this category at all this year. But the bottom of the barrel team for this week is the Melbourne Footy Club. After being pumped by Frio a few weeks ago, they were completely outdone by another flag fantasy team in the Sydney Swans. Not only have they been dreadful on-field, they've also been dreadful off-field in the last few nights, with Stephen May and Jake Melsham, teammates at the footy club, exchanging blows. Now both players will be unavailable to play on the Monday clash against Collingwood. So with that being said, the Melbourne Footy Club, after being 17-0 for the better part of 11 months, are this team's bottom of the barrel, and they are the losers of this week. And now we're moving on to... Another segment of this podcast, the Big Digs Blow-Up. I did it a few weeks ago, and I'm doing it now, but I am once again targeting Footy Classified. The Victorian biasy of Footy Classified simply rattles me. The week that we played Melbourne, the final episode of Footy Classified before that game, near towards the end of it, the guys on the Footy Classified panel were crying out for a team to beat Melbourne, right? And then on that weekend, Freo end up beating Melbourne in Melbourne. So you would think that on the Monday after that game, the guys on the footy classified panel would be praising Freo for the effort they put in to beat Melbourne and to become the first side to beat them since probably July last year. They proceed to not talk about the game or Freo for the entire episode. There wasn't even a, oh, Freo did a good job on the weekend. There was none of that. The panel literally swept it under the carpet and blew it away. And then just last week, when we beat the second flag favourites in Brisbane, on the other side of the country, Sydney beat Melbourne in Melbourne, doing exactly what we did two weeks ago. I tune in to Footy Classified at 10.45 on a Monday. Not only did they again not mention Freo at all, they had an edited promo and a 10-minute discussion on the Sydney Swans game against Melbourne. I was completely flabbergasted. I could not believe what I was seeing. 
And then before that, they proceed to have the exact same discussion on North Melbourne and Essendon as they've done for the past seven weeks. We get it. North Melbourne suck. There's no need to mention it for the 80th time in four weeks. I tune into shows like Footy Classified to hear the professional journos talk about my team. And everybody else feels the exact same way. Nobody watches a show like Footy Classified for them not to hear about their team. And when you constantly avoid talking about a team like Freo, a team that hasn't been overall successful for the better part of 30 years, of course I'm going to get angry. I mean, we are witnessing one of the best seasons in our club's history. We've been Geelong at Cadenia Park, we became the first team in over a year to beat Melbourne, and we've just beaten the second flag favourites in Brisbane about four days ago. And then you put more time and discussion into the shape of a footy than a team that has done what no other team in the competition has. Those three clubs that I just mentioned, Geelong, Melbourne and Brisbane, we are the only team in the comp to have beaten those three. And yet footy classified seems to just not care at all. Like it's not even happening. Matthew Lloyd on that panel is the only bloke who has the balls to even mention Frio. And even then, once he starts getting on a roll, he gets cut off by Hutchie and the crew halfway through. Frio could go on to just outright win the whole thing. Win their first flag in pretty much 30 years. Then 40 Classified would have a one-hour episode without even mentioning Western Australia. They act as if it's not even a part of our nation. The Victorian biasy of shows like 40 Classified is unprecedented. And as a Freo fan and an AFL fan, I am done watching Footy Classified because we are essentially just listening to the same four blokes talk about the same stuff twice a week. And as the great Michael Soy would say, Footy Classified, get on your bike. Because I am one and done of the Victorian biasy you seem to present us West Australians every single week. It's simply pathetic. It's not the VFL anymore. It's the AFL. Get better. Fortnite at Britain. First and second. They're searching for history. Is this the combination? As you just heard, Freya have become the first team to knock off both Melbourne and Brisbane. It was a cracker on Sunday night, and I couldn't have picked a more perfect time to go up and watch the Dockers play. More than 48,000 filled at Optus Stadium, which I think in terms of AFL games is the most we've seen since the grand final from last year. I was very concerned. Late at the end of the first quarter, it just looked like Brisbane's game plan were just completely on top of ours. They dominated inside 50s for that quarter. At the end of it, I only think we went inside 50 like four times in that first quarter. And it looked like very similar to last year, Brisbane were just going to blow us out the door. But at the quarter break, Freo were able to get themselves together and bring the margin to just one point at half time. But then in the third quarter, Freo just completely blew Brisbane away, kicking six goals to three. Bailey Banfield, as I just mentioned, alone kicked three in that quarter. And is it just me, or is our third quarter luck this year just switched around completely? Like, Freo's third quarter efforts in the first three games of the year were awful. It was those quarters alone that allowed teams like Adelaide and St Kilda to get themselves within a winning margin. But in the last few weeks, our third quarters have been amazing. The one against Melbourne was 
arguably the best 20 minutes of footy our club has ever played. And in the third quarter against Brisbane, we doubled the goals they kicked 6-3. to three. So it looks like our luck in the Premiership quarter has taken a complete 180 on us. But with that being said, it's time to talk about the three takeaways. The first takeaway from this game is that our forwards do possess the firepower and depth to contend. Like I said earlier, no Fife, no Walters, no Switkowski, no Tabiner. Schultz didn't hit the scoreboard in this game. And yet, despite all of that, we still found a way to kick goals. Bailey Banfield, the divine duck of the week, a man that has been in and out of the sides more times than I can count, kicks four goals. Cult hero Michael Frederick kicks three, alongside Rory Lobb, who has picked up some very impressive form in the last few weeks. Logue goes up forward and kicks two. So despite the fact that our forward line was clearly undermanned going into this game, we somehow found a way to match the firepower of Brisbane's forward line. And it proves to me is that when our forwards work together as a collective, we can put on some really good footy. And it's clear to me that we have a forward line good enough to kick a winning total against another premiership side. The second takeaway, James Aish has cemented his spot in Frio's best 22. Another name that has been in and out of the side for a while now, James Aish has really struggled to cement what sort of role he plays in our squad. But over the last fortnight, he has become our Mr. Fix-It. From tagging Clayton Oliver to becoming a more attacking midfielder, James Ace has proven that he is arguably Froyo's most versatile player and has an extraordinary capability and fixing any mid-game issue at a very high standard. You can play him as a mid-forward, you can put him on the wing, you can play him as an inside midfielder, you can play him as a tagger, and you can throw him down back. Many players in the AFL don't have that sort of caliber, but James Aish has proven that he is a lot more than just that. He isn't the fanciest or most explosive midfielder in the comp, but he offers such a versatile option for Justin Longmuir that, in my eyes, he is a clear best 22 player for Freo. And speaking of the coach, takeaway number three, Justin Longmuir is the coach of the year. Who could have predicted that come the bye, Freo would be the only team in the comp to beat Melbourne and Brisbane and would be sitting third on the AFL ladder. Justin Longmuir has employed such an impressive game style and has showcased so much professionalism off the field. Like JL said in his press conference after the game against Collingwood that the club was getting ahead of itself and it was time to make standards. And two weeks since JL said that, Fro have beaten both Melbourne and Brisbane. In the way we've been doing it as well, we do it in such a professional yet fluid and exciting way that you can't help but think that this team of young guns is arguably the number one contender for the premiership right now, which I guarantee you no one would have said at the start of this year. And as far as my opinion goes, JL is the coach of the year. At 10 past four tomorrow night, the Dockers will take on the Hawks at Optus Stadium. The game is expected to be taking place under some rain and against the Hawks who knocked off the Lions a few weeks ago, this could be a very big danger game for us. Although we will enter the game as undeniable favourites, especially considering the return of a two-time Brownlow medalist Nat Fife, Frio fans should not expect this game to be a walk in the park. Hawthorne are a very competitive side and under the wet this should be a very intriguing clash. The anchor stronghold will once again be our amazing defense. 
We are arguably the number one ranked defense in the competition. And the Hawks will also be missing their two most powerful forwards in Jack Gunston and Mitch Lewis. However, there is one bloke in the Hawthorne forward line that could turn the game on its head. And he's the lookout player going into this game. It's Dylan Moore. He is having a really, really good season, Dylan Moore. Arguably All-Australian, if you ask me. He's played every game so far this season for the Hawks and has arguably been their best player. And very similar to Jack Ginevan a couple of weeks ago, if Moore was able to get up and about in the Hawks forward line, he could become a serious threat throughout this game. However, Freo have a game-changer of their own. Making his return and playing his first game in nearly a year, it's Nat Fife, and he is our eyes-on player for this week. No surprises here, really. He's the captain. He's an absolute champion of our game. And it'll be an absolute delight to see Nat Fife playing in the left forward pocket, surprisingly. But with that being said, Fremantle should be able to get the job done over the Hawks. I'm pretty sure it's been raining all up in Perth for the last week. So Frio should have had plenty of time to adapt to the weather conditions. And I think at the end of the day, Frio's footy is just far and beyond Hawthorne's. It'll be a very low scoring contest, but the Dockers should get the job done by 17 points. Okay, that's the best question you can come up with after two hours of footy. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. You're quite brilliant, Shane. It's time to answer the questions that you lovely blokes have sent in through the DMs. The first question coming in from Aidan Owen, can we carry this momentum into September? I think one thing we have to remember as Freo supporters is that we've been in this sort of situation before. If you rewind the clock way back to 2019, Fremantle were in a very similar position coming towards the bye. Freo had huge wins leading into the bye round. And then once the bye came, we were just completely stacked with injuries and we had fallen off where we were in previous weeks. We completely bombed out to finish the season just outside the bottom four and Ross Lyon was infamously sacked. Now, there's obviously clear differences between way back then and now. Froyo definitely have a lot more depth in our squad than we did way back then. We are in a much better position than we were in 2019 and we have a much more different person at the helm in Justin Longmuir. That's all fine and Danny, but my point is basically that we can't be getting ahead of ourselves too much. Like, don't get me wrong, I completely understand the hype. I mean, bloody oath, I'm a part of it. But it's important to remember is that we're only halfway through the season and premierships aren't won in June. So you can definitely be jumping on the flag metal train, but just don't book your grand final tickets just yet. But to specifically answer that question of can we carry this momentum into September, to put it this way, our best brand of footy is the best in the competition. We've seen that in the last two weeks, and we've just so happened to beat the two biggest flag contenders this year. So when we're up and going, we're capable of beating just about anyone, and we are very, very likely to see Freo in the business end of the season. Next question from A underscore Roy underscore. What's the biggest area do you think our game plan could fix? Structurally, I can't see any holes in our game plan. Frio have become a lot more attacking this season. We take a lot more risks than we would do in previous years when moving the ball inside 50. But when you have arguably the best back six in the competition, you can take those risks with assurance that if the ball does come back the other way, our defenders are going to prevent a score. And that's probably the biggest influence Justin Longmuir has had. When he first got here, his main focus was building a great defense. 
then transitioning to a midfield in 2021, and now he's moved on to the forward line that has become one of the most fluid and exciting in the comp. The biggest issue our structure probably has is that it's not really adaptable in wet conditions. We've obviously seen that against Gold Coast and Collingwood, and we're hoping this issue does improve with the game against Hawthorne this week. But game plan-wise, it's pretty hard to depict any holes so far. Next question from Kay Taylor, full stop six. Is Frio Youngsters about to create a Docker Dynasty? I gotta admit, I'm a big fan of the name Docker Dynasty, but like I said in the first question, we can't be getting ahead of ourselves just yet. And before you start discussing about Dynasties, you've obviously got to win your first Premiership. But what people seem to be looking past is that Frio are currently sitting inside the top four with the sixth youngest team in the competition. You've got to keep in mind that teams like Melbourne and Brisbane are playing with prime talent. Their team mostly consists of players either in their prime or just about to reach it. And then you've got Geelong, who everybody knows by now are the oldest team in the competition. But they are all using players from the 25-year-old to 32-year-old margin. However, Frio's best 22 consists of guys in their early 20s who are at least two to three years off their prime. Fife, Mundy and Walters aside, our best 22 is built on guys who are 24 and younger. That is a terrifying realisation for the AFL. To know that arguably the biggest flag contender right now hasn't even reached their prime yet is really saying something. If anything, it's pretty much completely comparable to the 2008 Hawthorne team. But who knows, maybe a dynasty is upon us. The most we could do right now is live in the moment and enjoy every second of it. Oliver Graham asks, what players have you met? I've met Nat Fife a couple of times simply because my grandparents and his side of the family have such a close relationship with each other. Because of that, I've been able to meet Fife a couple of times. I've seen him a couple of times out on my family's farm on Lake Grace, and he loves to come down there during the off-season. So Fife would definitely be the player I see the most often. I managed to walk past Aaron Sanderlands while at an Ikea store once. During this time, our family was moving from up north to the southeast, and while we were visiting our grandparents in Perth, me and my dad decided to take a trip to an Ikea to search for our new couch in our new home. And I don't remember specifically where it was, but I remember turning around a corner into this big couch section. And I reckon less than a metre than me, keep in mind, this was like nearly a decade ago, so I was fairly young, was an absolute unit of a man standing next to me. And the thing was, you could instantly tell it was Sanderlands. I mean, the height and the facial features, it gave it away. My dad then proceeded to follow the corner behind me. He also knew it was Sandy instantly. And we didn't want to cause a huge blow because this was like way back in 2014. So this was when Freya were at their absolute peak. So we shook hands, had a little discussion, and then we went along for our business. And the funniest thing about this story for me is that the couch Sanderlands and his family were standing in front of, the one they were specifically looking at, would actually end up being the couch that we would buy for our new home. And I doubt he's listening, but if he is, Sandy, thanks for the sweet couch, mate. But for more recent discussions, Brennan Walker gave me a half-five after the game last Sunday. And then earlier on in the year, I think it was either May or March, I managed to meet former Docker Kepler Bradley at a um, Claremont meetup for my little brother. 
I actually ended up playing up against him in the ruck and and for an ultimate such as myself I managed to hold up very very well against the cult hero and this last one isn't a Freo player but he's a big influence on the Freo community nonetheless I managed to finally meet up with the great real car at Freo memes while attending the Sunday game and with that being said that's going to do this week's episode it's going to be a very intriguing clash with the Hawks on Saturday but I expect the Dockers to be up and about and to win their third game in a row so with that being said ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening to this week's episode and I'll see you next week the story is boys have become men to break short give him the kid he'll give you the man oh, he can do it all David Mundy Liam Henry snaps a great goal Oh, Sarong! Sarong! Chokes will fall!